Hallelujah. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Praise God. You know, praise the Lord. When the when the Holy Spirit's involved, isn't it something that when when the Holy Spirit's involved, uh, uh, someone will say, Hey, wait a minute, I believe that the Lord wants me to sing a song this morning. The Lord would like me to play. And it ties right into the sermon we're going to have that day. Amen. I want to talk to you a little bit about God's grace today and His amazing grace. And if we could talk just a moment, be turning with me to uh, Luke chapter 15. And uh, I, I want to read this story. It's a great story and a great passage, and we're all familiar with it. The story of the prodigal son. But there's a beautiful part of that message that I just want to share with you today. So Luke chapter 15, and I'll give you just a moment to find it. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. He's worthy of our praise. You know, uh, I, I've been I've been thinking, I keep having this thought. Sometimes the Lord just gives me a thought, and then I'll go with that thought and start thinking about it all the time. And I'll start searching scriptures and this, that, and the other. And the Lord gave me a thought the other day. He said, you don't find in the book of Revelation, you don't see it that people praising God there in eternity for all the stuff that they got and all the things they were blessed with on this earth. They're praising Him for His salvation. Amen. It says, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain and He's, received, and he's uh, uh, won us out of all the kindreds of the earth and all the nations and things like that. So it's about His saving power. Amen. So... Hallelujah. And I've done got here so excited, I guess I've lost my place. Let me find it with you. Luke chapter 15. I, I flipped a few pages too far, but that's all right. We'll find it. Praise the Lord. I guess if we had a title today, and, and it just came to me this morning uh, while I was already here at church. Y'all were having Sunday school. And, and I, I kept thinking, what would be a good title for this? And the Lord just dropped it right on me. The title would be The Beauty of Reconciliation. The beauty of reconciliation. See, we've all been reconciled to Jesus Christ and to God the Father through Jesus Christ, right? And when, it, when we're not reconciled, that means there's a, there's a separation, that we're not together, that something is wrong, that something has separated us. But when reconciliation happens, we're brought back together. Think about it even in the natural. If you have a family member that you can't get along with or whatever it may be, and, and you're off at a distance for a long time and you can't get along, but then if there's something that happens and you can apologize or forgive one another, whatever it may be, you can be reconciled and you're brought back together. And that's what the Lord did with the, for us through Jesus Christ. Amen. So Luke chapter 15, the beauty of reconciliation. And I just want you to understand this today because I know there's a common thing that happens to a lot of times as we're Christians, especially as we're just getting started. We, we wonder, can it really be this simple? Can it really be as easy as God saved me and He set me on the right path that I might walk for Him now? And we always wonder, well, it seems like maybe I need to maybe try to pay Him back a little or maybe I need to do something to make myself worthy. You can't do anything to make yourself worthy and you can't do anything to keep yourself worthy. You just have to do what Romans chapter 12 says. Just simply submit yourself to God and walk according to what He wants you to walk in. For you it might mean this and for you it might mean that, but just submit yourself to His will for your life. Amen? So let's begin reading this story. Jesus is talking here and, and he's dealing with these old Pharisees. Remember, he dealt with them Pharisees a lot. And they were jealous. They didn't want people to receive God's grace. They didn't want people to receive even God's healing through Jesus Christ. Amen. So look at uh, Luke 15 and verse 1. Let's read a little bit here and we'll talk about some of it as we go. Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to hear him, to hear him, uh, near to him, to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. 
So he spoke this parable to them saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine just persons who need no repentance. And he begins to talk to us, hallelujah, that that's the whole reason that Jesus came. Amen. The whole reason that he came was to turn sinners unto repentance. See, uh, the Pharisees were jealous. They didn't like the fact that, that people who were lost and sinning and who had wasted away their lives, right? They, they were jealous that Jesus was actually trying to talk to these people and help them, right? And Jesus said, it's likened to this. If you've got a hundred sheep and you lose one and you love them all, guess what? You'll leave the 99 and you'll go find the one. And you'll put him on your shoulder and carry him home. And when you get home, amen, you'll say, rejoice with me. For what was lost is now is, is found. And Jesus said, when a sinner comes to repentance, when somebody comes to Jesus Christ, there's rejoicing in heaven. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And what is that called? It's called amazing grace. Because none of us was worthy of it, were we? There's not a one of us in this room that was worthy of God's grace. But He gave it to us anyway. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why we praise. It's because that's all we can do, isn't it? Thank you, Lord, for your what you've done for me. Amen. Hallelujah. Gives another little illustration here in these next few verses. In verse 8, it says, Or what woman, ha woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And I've done a little bit of research on this. It wasn't just the fact that it was ten silver coins in the in the... Roman culture back then, what they did was they wore necklaces. And a lot of times if they were a married woman, they had 10 pieces of silver attached into that necklace. And if one of them went missing, that was a big deal to them. And that's why she's so adamant that she needs to find this lost piece of silver. Because it's identified that she was married and betrothed to another. Amen. Verse 9 says, And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Amen. Praise God. You see, I've heard and I've been in lots of times. Uh, I was in church services when I was growing up. A lot of times as an early adult, uh, we, would, we would pray for people and people might have a, receive a healing or this, that, and the other and different things. And people would rejoice and rightfully so because God had done something. But then somebody would testify, hey, I, my great uncle got saved last Saturday. And you wouldn't even hear a hand clap. You wouldn't even hardly say a, hear an amen. It's about salvation, amen. The miracles, they come and go. We get healed, we get sick again, right? We get healed from the deathbed, we're going to be on our deathbed again some other day, right? But salvation is forever, and that's why Jesus came. That's why people are going to be rejoicing in heaven. That's why it says the angels will rejoice when a sinner comes to Jesus. That's the beauty of reconciliation, amen, is that people have been reconciled unto Jesus Christ. Now we get into the meat of this, this parable here. Verse 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided, them, divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions 
with prodigal living. Meaning wasteful living. How many knows that there's a lot of people that they were introduced to Christ or they were introduced to religious things at an early age. But at some point, at some reason, I ain't going to worry about what the reasons are. We decided we won't go our own way. It may be that we were pushed away. It may be that we just didn't understand. Whatever the case may be, we went on and we lived our life the way we wanted to live. And we said, we can do it better than mom and dad taught us. We can do this. We can whatever. We can even rebel against God, right? And go live our way, live our lives the way we want to live. And waste away every, all the opportunities and things we had. But there's always a reckoning day, isn't there? Verse 14. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. There's a lot of our, a lot of our people that we pray for that uh, are lost loved ones. We need to learn how to pray for them. We don't need to say, Lord, just bless them in every way and everything's so good that they'll see ever how good you are and they'll come to you. Sometimes we need to, play that they need to pray that they get into a desert place. Sometimes we might need to pray, Lord, they need to be in a famine to see that how much they really do need you. We have to be willing to accept that as parents or as loved ones, right? We need to be willing to accept that, that whatever it takes to bring them to repentance is what we'll be okay with. Amen. So he went away and spent all his father's inheritance that he'd given. But all of a sudden now there's a famine in the land. See, when things are good, you just you have no regard for tomorrow, do you? But all of a sudden when the, when the money runs out or when whatever runs out and the fun living doesn't, doesn't do it for you anymore, right? I hear a lot of people say that have uh, been addicted to drugs and alcohol. All their life they finally get to the point and they say, you know what, I got sick and tired of being sick and tired, right? And that's a place of want. That's a place of need. Amen. So look at this now in verse uh, 15. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine or feed pigs. And you have to understand, when, when the Bible begins to speak about pigs or swine or anything for, to the Jewish people who were listening to that, as the lowest form of animal there was, was a pig. And now we, we kind of have glorified uh, uh, pork meat in our country because we've been able to clean it and they eat clean things now and grain and stuff. But really a pig is a nasty animal. They are nasty. They waller in their own feces. You can clean them up and they'll go right back to it. They waller around and, 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 and all their waste and everything and they're just nasty. Dad was telling me when he was growing up, he said they'd eat about anything. He said, you throw a dead carcass in there. They'd eat up that dead carcass. So they're a nasty animal. So now this one who used to be wealthy and living in his father's house, had everything that he needed, <clears throat> he made the choice to leave. Go live life his own way. Well, all of a sudden now he finds himself out there feeding hogs in the hog pen of life. Amen. Verse 16 says, And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods or the food that the swine ate, but yet no one gave him anything. He's out here wallowing around with the pigs in the, in the muck and the mire, giving them their food, but he didn't have nothing to eat. See, sometimes we need to hit rock bottom, right? Sometimes people need to hit rock bottom to see their need for Jesus, right? It's verse 17 but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to, to spare, and I perish with hunger? Think about that. He come to himself. He realized, you know what? 
My choices have landed me here. But in my father's house was plenty and left over. And even his servants who work for him are faring better than me out here in the hog pen. There's a lot of people that don't recognize that if a church is truly doing what a church is supposed to be, that's one of the best places you'll ever be in your life. Amen. Because you're there with people that care about you, are concerned about you, and will help you in anything you face. But he come to his senses and he said, uh, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and to spare and I perish with hunger? Verse 18. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. One of the common things after people come to Jesus is they realize that, well, I've been saved, but I'm, I don't know if I'm really worthy to still be called one of his children. You know, I hope I squeeze my way and make my way just over into the corner in heaven, right? And they get worried sometimes and the devil will beat them up saying, well, you're not worthy. You live too long the wrong way. And there's no way now that, you, that God could care about you and that God could love you that much. But I want you to see the beauty of reconciliation. Amen? So this was his mindset. I'm just going to go back and see if dad will just accept me to be like one of his servants. At least I'll have something to eat. But you see, the father in this story is representative of God the Father. Amen. And God the Father has a whole different outlook than we do, doesn't he? Amen. Let's look at these next few verses. Verse 20 says, And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. You know what that tells me? That that father had been waiting, hoping that maybe one day his son would come back. When he saw him afar off, I got to thinking about this this morning. I live over in a little holler place kind of, and our house sits way back off of the main road. And I can look across over to the main road, which it's just a single lane, but I can look over there and I can see dad's cousin. He lives just on down the road and he walks back and forth to his farm. And then dad's got another cousin that lives over this way that it's a far way off. It's probably about three or four hundred yards. But I can always determine who it is by the way they walk. I can always see. I can't see their face and I can't see any kind of expre facial expressions at all. But I can tell that that's dad's cousin right there walking up to go to the farm. That's dad's other cousin. He's going up on the farm to check on his cows, this, that, and the other. I can look over at mom and dad's house about 200 yards, and I can tell the difference between mom and dad, not because of the facial expressions, because of the way they walk. And I want you to think about this father now. As he's going about his business, this was a wealthy man. He had a lot going on in his life. He had a lot under his control. One day, hallelujah, he said, wait. Look, I know that walk. I remember that walk. How many years we don't know had passed in this story. But that father had not forgot that child. And it says when he saw him afar off, he ran out to meet him. He didn't stand there going, well, let's see what he's going to say when he gets. He ran out to meet him. I want you to think about that. One day in heaven, God's got a lot under his, under his tutelage, right? God's got a lot going on to take care of in this world. There's uh, almost eight people in the world today, they say, right? And God's managing all that at one time. And there's wars and rumors of wars and all these different things going on. But guess what? When a sinner comes to him, 
He says in heaven. You see, there's a lot of things going on in heaven. There's a lot of praise and worship going on continually. Can't you just see the Father right now? Hold on. Look, here comes one. And guess what? All the angels rejoice, just like all these people began to rejoice. The beauty of reconciliation. That God wants people to come to Him. Amen? Look at this next verse. Let's reread verse 20. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And then the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. Let's tell him, if I could just have a place over here, Dad, I'll be okay. I've wasted my life. I've wasted everything that you had provided for me. I wasted it away living a prodigal life, living in sin, doing whatever it is that I did. So, Dad, if I know I can't be your son no more because I'm not worthy of that. If you'll just let me have a place where I can have something to eat, I'll be okay. A lot of Christians have that mindset when they come to the Lord. They come to the Lord and get saved. But then after that, the devil starts to beat them up and wear them out and say, well, you're, you did too much bad for too long. You just stay over here in the corner and don't be asking the Lord for anything. But look what the Lord does for us in these next few verses. Amen. But, in verse 22, But the Father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Hallelujah. That's what the Lord did when we came to Him. We came to Him all undone. Lost in sin. Doing whatever we'd been doing. Amen. And guess what He said? Put some sandals on His feet. Put a ring on His hand. Amen. Praise God. Get a robe for Him and put it on Him. Verse 23. And now He says, not only are you going to do that for Him, now we're going to celebrate. Amen. We're going to have a celebration here in this place today. Right? Amen. Look what it says there. Verse 23, it says, And bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. What about the words of that song, Amazing Grace? I once was lost, but now I'm found. Praise God. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was lost, but now I'm found. Praise God. That's the beauty of reconciliation. That's the beauty of what Lord Jesus Christ did for us hanging on that cross. Amen. The beauty of being reconciled unto God the Father. And when God the Father looked afar off and seen us coming, He knew He'd been drawing us, hadn't He? The Bible says that He begins to draw us. And all of a sudden one day, here we come. It may have been that we came down to an altar of prayer. It may have been that we went to talk to someone, whatever it may have been. Praise God. But we came to Jesus. Amen. I want to read one last verse to you. If you'd like to turn there, you can. I want to just sum up this passage here. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want you to see that. And sometimes I don't have you turn to them, but I want you to read this for yourself. I want you to see this. Sometimes when you read it yourself, it just seems like it sticks a little bit better. But turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want to read something that this is what God did for us. And that heaven rejoiced when we came to Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
praise the Lord. So if you found 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's turn on up there to verse 17 in that chapter. We'll read out to the end of the chapter. I just wanted to read this to you this morning. As the Lord's been dealing with me on this verse pretty much all week. And I didn't really, hadn't seen how it tied in, but I see beautifully how it ties. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what the Father did there in that story, isn't it? He said, I'm not worried about what he did. He's shown to me that he's sorry. He has truly repented by coming back here and showing his face and saying, Dad, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done what I did. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Amen? And the father said, you know what? I'm not going to remember all them things. Because you're my son. You were dead, but now you're alive. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. All things have become new. Verse 18 says this. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of of reconciliation. Think about that. That's what the gospel is supposed to be about, is being reconciled unto God. Be reconciled unto God. Verse 19. That is, he gives a deeper explanation of it now in verse 19, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. And this is very, very important. That's why I wanted you to see it for yourselves. Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. When we're born again, we don't remember the past. The past sometimes takes us and we learn from our past or whatever. But he's saying he did not impute our sins to us. He was here to reconcile us and bring us back to God. Think about the difference now. Not imputing our sins unto us. Amen? Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. And that's what I wanted to say. We were reconciled on the day we got saved. But we have to live like we're reconciled. We can ask the Lord now. We don't, have to re- we don't have to live our life saying, well, you know, I'm just happy that God forgave me now. I won't ask Him for nothing else because I'm not worthy. You ask. Amen. You ask. The Bible says anything you ask in my name that you will receive. Right? And I know that the devil beats us up sometimes. I talk with people a lot. And that's one of the common things that happens when somebody first gets saved. They, they're saved. They're born again. They understand that. But then they start to feel guilty for asking the Lord for this, that, or the other. You have to remember our story this morning. The Father said, it's all done. It's wiped out. You're back now. You can ask me. Amen. I'm here for you. I'm going to help you. Amen. Praise God. So be reconciled to God. Live your life that way, knowing that He loves you and He wants the best for you. Amen. Amen. In verse 21, I want to close with this. For he made him, this is, the, this is saying that God the Father made him, which is Jesus, 
who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. When we are born again, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen? I can trust in that. I can live my life in that. I can live my life that way. And I wanted to close today just to give you encouragement that the Father saved us. And He doesn't then treat us like a stepchild, what we call a redheaded stepchild, where they just get the leftovers on. No, He brought us right back into the fold. Amen. Brought us right back into the mix. And I'm going to close today, and I've got one other little song here that I'm going to play as we close. I would like to play this song this morning, and uh, it's it's from a, a group that I, I, I really enjoy listening to called uh, uh, Phillips, Craig, and Dean. The name of this song is When God Ran. I'd just like to play that for us this morning. Uh, it goes so beautifully with this message, and, uh, and of course, we do not own the rights to this music, uh, and we're just using this just for educational purposes. Thank you.
I hope this message has helped you today if you're born again to know that uh, that you are are reconciled to God. You have been reconciled in Christ Jesus and you don't have to, to spend the rest of your days uh, li- living in a way that uh, you're, you're timid or afraid to ask God for anything because of your past life. I want you to know that when God wiped away your sins in Jesus Christ, that they're wiped away forever. And now we always learn and uh, from our mistakes and our past, but as far as God is concerned, he doesn't remember those things. So uh, he brings you right back to, to, to the fold where you belong. And if God's people are doing what they're supposed to, uh, they'll be there to encourage you and to help you and, and not be digging up the things from the past. So I want you to be encouraged in this today. If you're not born again, I'd like for you to take this opportunity to just consider that there's a loving Heavenly Father waiting for you to come back waiting for you to come back home. He has, a, he has a place for you. He hasn't forgotten about you, and he would love to see you one day come, come, back, come back home. And I want you to know today that you can do that. And uh, if there's anything here at the Church of the Word uh, that we can do to help you, be sure to contact us and let us know, and we'd love to pray with you and help you in any way we can. And you can visit us on our Facebook page, and that's uh, at Church of the Word West Virginia. Or you can also private message me, uh, personally under Richard Coburn on on Messenger. So uh, anyway, I hope that uh, this word has encouraged you. Until we can meet again, I pray the Lord's blessings upon you and uh, have a great day and have a great rest of your week. Amen.